podcast has bad words. <laughs> this is the Minimalist Private Podcast. Hello, patrons. What's up, y'all? This podcast is brought to you by you. <laughs> <laughs> you patrons. That's true. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we were, now we're going to read all 6,000 of your names. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Patricia, <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Busy Guy 059. <laughs> by the way, thank you so much, patrons, for putting your pictures on your avatar. So many people. Yes. By the way, that was one of my favorite episodes. If you, if you're a new patron, go back and listen to the Yes Is More episode. Mm. For what, I think it's our most popular Patreon episode of all time. And it's just me and you. You're so popular. It, it's you, mostly. Oh, Look come Look at that on. Greek oh, smile. Oh, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Tell uh, me more. Are you going to shave? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to shave for our next episode? <laughs> <laughs> Only if we get to 6,000 patrons. I wish I grew a stubble like that, oh. man. It's very, it's very um, handsomely. <laughs> stubbly what are you talking about you have the stubble yeah dude but you got like the it's it's a different kind of stubble it's gray okay you got like this um uh who am i thinking of uh johnny depp stubble like he doesn't grow a full beard he's just got the stubble too wow uh, anyway i'm glad you said johnny depp and not steve buscemi <laughs> got that steve buscemi look going <laughs> Steve, if you're listening to this, we think you're very handsome. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so, so um, where were we going with this, Ryan? Uh, patrons. Brought- oh yeah, I'm in the movie. Oh yeah. All right. Where were we? Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by Jacob. We had one patron. What was her name? Uh, she gave me the worst criticism recently. Aww. Um, it, it, most of our patrons are awesome, and we accept their feedback. But mm-hmm. occasionally, like a seagull, somehow gets into the the rafters they spend two dollars yeah they, it, well no nah, it's all right it's fine they spend um, two dollars just to crap on us yeah yeah and so it, you know the, what if you want to give me two bucks and crap on me no no you don't get the privilege here's the thing <laughs> you're paying for something that's awesome what we're doing is way more than two dollars worth of we don't like to brag i mean here's the thing this this private podcast i it frustrates me that the full public does. I mean, I wouldn't want the full public to hear some of the stuff we talk sure. about on here. Yeah. In fact, some of the topics I've written down today are controversial enough that like I need to work them out in front of the patrons first. Yeah. But but occasionally, I, some people just lack or they're uncouth. Is that the word? Podcast, Sean. Uncouth. Uh, yeah. Up to. So what was she saying? Was she talking about she, how she you goes, haven't shaved? <laughs> no. No. Uh, <laughs> That'd be fine. Um, in fact, like it's it's kind of split on that one. Last time I, I so this morning I, I had to go to drop Bex and Elle off at the airport. I just didn't, in fact, Elle was with me. She's like, "Are you gonna shave?" I'm so glad you're not the dude in the car with the automatic oh, razor in traffic. No. <laughs> yeah, that would get hair in my car. You know how crazy that would drive me. Yeah. And anyway, Elle was with me this morning. She has this new robe on that we got her and. <laughs> And uh, this is a place called Barefoot Dreams. Out, we were out in Malibu at the beach yesterday, and we stopped by Barefoot Dreams because it's literally the softest stuff you'll ever touch. Oh, wow. And and Ella has uh, SPD, sensory processing disorder. Oh, okay. And it's just, she's really hypersensitive, especially to touch. Mm. Uh, she's like almost like a kinesthetic learner, which is a weird thing. Yeah. She's an auditory learner like me, but she... She is very kinesthetic and really gets turned off by certain feels mm-hmm. and other 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 things feel amazing. She can't stop like rubbing against like soft towels and okay. stuff. We were at this barefoot dream store yeah. and we bought her a robe there. And uh she 
I think she's going to wear it every day for the rest of her life. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, it was an expensive purchase. It was, like, 70 or 80 bucks for a robe. She's, like, walking through the airport with the... (laughs) the No, totally. No, yeah, absolutely. I dropped her off the airport this morning. Had the robe on. That's great. And, um... But here's the thing. So, So, she... It's expensive. It was like seventy or eighty bucks. But like the cost per wear on that thing is probably going to be the cheapest thing. She, it's going to be like a penny per wear. She's going to wear it hundreds of times. Yeah. As soon as we got home, in fact, I made her like at, from the beach. I made her go take a bath. As soon as she got out of the beach, or out of the out of the bath, she was like, oh, "Can I can I wear the robe now?" Like oh, wow. she was excited to wear the robe. That's great. Uh, it's crazy soft too. It was amazing. A- anyway, oh, I was going somewhere. Oh, the the comment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had several people mention the the beard um I, I don't have a beard by the way if you're yeah. watching this on patreon it's just it's stubble. a beardish now, i can't really grow a beard uh. but i've had several people like it, it's it's very split it's because it's like, you haven't had puberty yet i know right <laughs> I'm, I'm on the cusp <laughs> right and uh i'm thinking by the time i'm 40 which is next year <laughs> yeah you'll look 20 yeah uh well the, the problem with the beard is it's all gray i oh. tried to convince ella it's blonde oh She's that's like, funny. It, that looks white to me <laughs> <laughs> i'm like it's very blonde though uh, um, no, I, I mean obviously I'm joking with her. I don't lie to her about the colors, but um, so so uh, yeah, it's it's the, split on the beard. Some people say I look more handsome with it, which mm-hmm. is always nice. Other people say I should I should get rid of it. Yeah. So uh, let me know, patrons. That's who I really care about. Yes, but we did have one seagull of a commenter. She came in and said, "Josh, you need to shut up more on the podcast." Oh. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, it's my podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, and But here's the thing. like, there, there would be really nice ways for you to leave some sort of feedback like that. Right. Like, hey, I noticed at the hour and 16 minute mark of this episode that you interrupted Peter Rollins or whoever the hell it was yeah. uh, on, on this. And you know what? I, I think that's valid. And if you go, in fact, you go back and listen. We had to, we transcribed. What episode was that, Sean? For uh, it was one twenty three, I think. Uh, remember that one of the first guests we had in studio was Paul Johnson from Canyon City. Yeah, and it was a great episode about creativity. Yeah, it was awesome. We transcribed it. Yeah, it's a nightmare. I it was an interrupting jerk. Yeah, like I couldn't help it. That's yeah. That's also still one of my biggest uh, yeah criticisms against myself is I have a hard time not interrupting, but. In a conversation, though, it's like people are. I, I'm. You know what it is. I'm a bad conversationalist. Mm. And I'm just constantly trying to get better. But I do the same thing when I'm talking to people, especially on the freaking phone, where there's like a delay. You think someone's done talking, and you're like, anyway, and then they're continuing to talk, and then you're like, no, you go, no, you go. What were you gonna say? No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, anyway. So it's not just you, man. Right. No, I, 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 I get that. And by the way, this is the minimalist, not the conversationalists. Right. Here's the thing, though. You and I, we don't do interviews. We still don't do interviews. Right. Uh, we have for our like films, like for minimalism, we did interviews for minimalism. Yeah. We For our next film, Less Is Now, we've done interviews for Less Is Now. Those are interview formats, and that's, mm-hmm. that's different. And I tend to shut up completely during that. But what we're trying to do is have conversations, and more important, we bring guests on. Not to have just a conversation with them, but to answer people's questions. That's the format of this show right. is we have conversations amidst the questions. Right. And by the way, our podcast is so much better now than it was five years ago when we started it. Yeah. And for the longest time, I think it was the first 83 episodes, we had zero guests at all. 
And then we had Rob Bell as our first guest ever. Uh, we did a live event with him in mm-hmm. 2017. But up until that point, for years, we didn't have any guests at all. We were a guest-free podcast. It was just me and you answering these questions. It worked out well. Yeah. The format of the show changed. And as a result, we've had growing. Uh, we've, we've had to grow into the the third wheel so to speak but the third wheel actually gives us balance that's the nice thing about a third wheel and so we've gotten a lot better but yeah there are still times where i interrupt people and uh that is a a certainly a of a flaw but there are ways to give that feedback and then you need to shut up yeah you need to shut up and then (laughs) not a good way and i just said hey uh whatever your name is um did you kick him i said hey we we welcome we welcome feedback yeah uh on, on this podcast, especially from our patrons. Yeah. Um, however, we will not tolerate being told to shut up. Right. This is your first and only warning. Yeah. And uh, I think the response, I was like, well, I was just trying to help. I think you'd appreciate the feedback uh, uh, and uh, not get upset that I handed you this gift. And I'm like, eh, don't hand me a turd and pretend it's a gift. <laughs> Here, I got your shit sandwich. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I'll just watch you eat it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and so... Uh, People yeah, in I, Africa would kill for this. I really do appreciate when, when we get feedback, but also feedback on the good stuff. In fact, it's even more helpful to get feedback on the good stuff because yeah. I, I'm never going to improve all of my flaws, but I can improve upon the things that we're best at. Mm. So if you said, I really enjoyed this interview or th- this, this conversation you had with TK Coleman for, or, or, or you know, who, whomever, mm-hmm. um, Jessica Bishop, uh, wh- whomever you had on the podcast, I, here's why I enjoyed it. Here's what I enjoyed about it. Here's why I enjoyed it. I, we can do more of that. Mm-hmm. And that's even more beneficial than, hey, really hate the color of your shirt. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. It, it, th- that's not helpful, right? So good feedback is helpful, but it also highlights the things that are done well. So mm-hmm. we can do more of that because ultimately that's what we want to do for the patrons is we want to add more value to our, especially to our Patreon audience. Yeah. It frustrates me that we can't have these conversations in front of more people because I think that our Patreon episodes are often our best episodes totally we really agree. dive deep so speaking of diving deep we have the segment that we start these maximal episodes off with called more about less where we do a deeper dive into an article usually it's a longer article mm. this one is from seth godin so it's not a longer article he is the master of of blog posts he's yeah. the best blogger of all time and if you just go to seths.blog you can find his blog over there we'll put a link to this short blog post in the show notes it's called wants and needs now ryan we have a want need or a need want like list we also call it essential non-essential and junk yes this is a different perspective in fact it's my favorite rule in our minimalist rule book is the no junk rule where we show people how to separate items into those three piles either essential non-essential or junk he calls this wants and needs and it's three very short sentences you're unlikely to get everything you want that's a good thing because wants are part of what define us it's entirely possible though that you'll get most of what you need Mm. the trick is in being clear about what you put into each category I think that's the key here, right? Because if we identify those three categories, there's that third category I put in here. It's the the junk 
right. category, the like category, or more accurately, the things we think we like. Yeah. Now, the junk, we don't want to put anything into that category. We want to get rid of the junk. Yeah. But then the wants and needs, realizing we need certain things. We shouldn't forsake the things that we need for the things that we want. It's the Andy Davis line. You know, we struggle to pay rent because jeans are expensive. Right. And the rent is the need. The jeans are the want. But we spend the money on the blue jeans, and all of a sudden, we can't afford to pay rent as a result. That's a bad decision. Mm-hmm. And what Seth is saying here is, Actually have those wants. Have the right wants. That's a good thing because what you desire is what you are. It's who you become is what you desire. You are what you desire. That's one of our minimal maxims, I think. And and so, yes, I, I would encourage who's ever listening to this to be ruthless. Be relentless about defining those, those essential items, the needs, and the non-essentials, the wants, the things that truly add value to your life. Realize you're probably not going to get everything you want. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you do, some of it's going to actually be junk. You know what's interesting is I think you have, you're going to get more junk than even your wants. Yes. Got to be careful. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, Ryan, we got some discussion topics here today. I'm wondering what we should dive into I, first. I have a discussion topic for you. Tell me. Why do you keep scaring off all our guests? <laughs> Just the women that I'm scaring off. I think I think it's my facial hair. It's because you're so confident that you can never get COVID again and you're invincible to it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's scaring off guests. I didn't say I was invincible. I said I was invisible to it. Oh. You can't see me. That's Then it's definitely why you're scaring off our guests. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, that, that's fascinating. So uh, this year, so far this year, uh, we've had 10 guests cancel or really? reschedule. Yep. This year. And... Uh, maybe I need to figure out what I'm doing wrong. And so maybe, and this is especially, this is a question for the women. We have a lot of women listeners of this podcast and this is a question for women. So up until this year, we basically had no one ever cancel on us. Right. This is a big show. I'm not, I'm not saying we're a big deal or whatever, but it's, it's, it's a, it gets your message in, or your book or your whatever you're taught your podcast. It gets in front of a lot of people. So yes. uh, I'll, I'll, we'll put this out there for the patrons. So we get somewhere between one to three million downloads every month mm-hmm. on our, our main podcast. And then we have a small portion of you who support the podcast and you get so much more for that. Yeah. And so people show up and they're guests of ours. We it's always people we're interested in. By the way, that's why I really like our guests is because it's people we find interesting. This is an invite-only show. It's almost like we have an excuse to have a conversation with people we really respect and look up to. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Great. Rob Bell is getting ready to come back on the podcast. I don't know if I told you about this yet, but yeah. just... just Because uh, of his new book, right? Yeah, it's called Everything is Spiritual. Yeah. And, oh, I need to read that. Oh, you've got to see. Have you seen his new special? Mm-mm. The introdu- and, and Introduction to Joy? No, uh, is it on YouTube? It's on or? YouTube. I don't okay. know why he put it on YouTube. It should be on Netflix. Okay. It's a masterpiece. All right. It, Sean and I went to go see a live version of it when he was just, he was testing it out. Yeah. So he did, he rented a small little theater over in uh, West Hollywood mm-hmm. and it was like 99 seat theater and he was testing out the ideas. It was great there. It's even, and this is hard to do, it's even better on YouTube and Introduction to Joy. Wow. And I'm going to, that's going to be my added value when, when Rob is in here actually because cool. it's, it's so good. Ryan, it's like stand-up comedy special and sermon, but it's not sermon because it's not, you know, it's not, but it's like, it's it's art. It yeah. is, it's just motivational, but not motivationally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's motivational in a different way. Right. It's, it's, uh, 
it's thoughtful it's teaching mm. it's uh it's an introduction to joy and awesome it's amazing it's such a good show cool it is such a good show anyway um Back to the question you asked, why am I scaring off all the guests? I don't yeah. know. But this is a question for the women who listen to uh, our private podcast. So we've had 10 guests this year who have either rescheduled or canceled. Mm-hmm. And nine of those have been women. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why. I think I think the answer is I'm not doing a good enough job of figuring out the best way to, to communicate. And, and so, in fact, the podcast we we're supposed to record today was about mental health with a doctor, an expert. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. And... She literally canceled on us the day before. Mm. Not even the business day before. We recorded this on a Monday. Yeah. And so it was Sunday that we get this cancellation. Mm -hmm. And we'll figure out a way to reschedule this with her, hopefully. And I'm... By the way, I'm really sympathetic to yeah. COVID. We do a really good job setting expectations beforehand. We send, so before a month before, Sean checks in with the guest and says, hey, just want to make sure everything's good. We're yes. a month out. There's a lot of touch points. Yes. Yeah. There's a week before. There's When we book the guest, so Jessica, um, our stalwart uh, booking and social media manager, she, she handles all of the initial bookings of the guest. And w- with that initial booking, we, we send them the parking instructions, the driving instructions, the, uh, the the recording times, all of it's yeah. laid out there succinctly, but but robustly. Yeah. And we've had so far nine of our ten people have been women. The, the, here's the the hyper irony: is the one guy who rescheduled. It was his wife asked him to reschedule. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. um, and, and so um, this it genders greatly. And what I'm saying here is I'm probably, it, it, it's probably my fault. Yeah. It, it's not, I'm going to say, well, why aren't women showing up on the pod? No, no, no. How can I better communicate so that this doesn't happen? Because we appreciate having diverse perspectives, diverse opinions on this podcast, interesting opinions that, that diverge from our own, mm-hmm. but also points of view that Ryan and I can't possibly have right. because we have Y chromosomes, right? right? And so we like bringing on these additional points of view. And I think the podcast, while it's not suffering, we're not having bad episodes, it's suffering from a, a point of view perspective. Yeah. And thankfully, most of these guests, we've been able to reschedule for uh, a, a time in the future or even distant future for mm-hmm. some of them. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, uh, if you're wondering why, like why is a bunch of guys on this podcast? Well, that that's the reason. So maybe on the Patreon comments for this, you can let us know. Like, are we doing something uh, when we're setting these initial expectations? If you were a woman who was booked on this podcast, what would prevent you from from uh, rescheduling on us? Because it, yeah. a lot of work goes into the the show prep. So the week before. Sean and I spent about four hours maybe preparing for a, a podcast episode. Uh, that's just doing the the three pieces of paper yeah. that we prepare. Yeah. And, and so there's a lot of prep. And then the night before, Ryan is, or the, even the morning of, Ryan's going through and preparing. And so we have all of these, uh, this prep that just has to sit out there now. And it feels like, wow, like, I, I wish that uh, if we get a heads up you know, a month in advance, then mm. it's easier to try to reschedule a guest. Mm-hmm. And... Although I really enjoy doing these, these, and in fact, it's good for us to do just these individual episodes, these yeah. duo episodes together um, frequently. But uh, we do like having the the guest perspective as well. Yeah. Do you have any additional thoughts on it? I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. I don't. I mean, I mean, I know it's COVID. COVID it's COVID related. Yeah. A piece of me thinks that maybe it's just a coincidence. Uh, but I, I, I thought that 
but, for a while. But it, yeah, but it's, yeah. I, I don't know what to think. That's the only additional thing I have to say. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to think about it. And maybe the answer is that it's just a coincidence. Could be. It, it's just that um, I think there's something that maybe we... I, I, maybe it has something to do with Los Angeles and coming out to L.A. Because mm-hmm. L.A. is like this epicenter of COVID. Well, at least that's what's so messed up, dude. I guess it's perception. It is. And it's what it's the perception that the news is perpetuating. Um so I think because I mean, like when I talk to my family members, they're all like, "Oh, you're right in the thick of COVID, aren't you?" And I'm like, mm, "Not really." <laughs> I know that's what like all the news channels want you to believe, yeah. but uh, but I, I'm just throwing that out there. It might have something to do with Los Angeles and how it's being projected as the epicenter of COVID. Well, let's talk some COVID-related stuff because we have some surprise questions for you all today. Uh, some good ones that people text in about being suffocated, being overwhelmed by their stuff. Uh, the, maybe the title for this one is exacerbated by stuff because that mm. is, I think, the uh, the feeling that we get. We are we're exacerbated. Yeah, and, and that is the. Uh, I know at least I was. I had so much stuff that it wasn't just overwhelming. It was. It was a step beyond that, which is exacerbation, where it, it almost feels like it's poking me, yeah. metaphorically, metaphysically even. Like there was something that was poking at me with the stuff. So we, we're going to tackle your questions about that. Before we do, let's, let's talk some COVID-related stuff because there's some things here that I wouldn't want to talk about in public, but I do want to be able to talk about this in front of our our audience here because Ryan and I have nuanced takes on this in a way that is fascinating. I think he and I actually by and large agree on on most of uh what's going on here uh the i think that there is a a simultaneous mass hysteria and a mass underreaction by folks it's like we can't meet in the middle so it's either it's either alex jones or it is i was at the beach yesterday we brought ella out there and we were in malibu so we drove out to malibu and we're at the beach we pay for parking and I saw two hilarious things, by the way. Um, but one is, I saw these two women, and they were wearing masks in the ocean. In the ocean. Were there was their, there was no one around them. Yeah. Were they getting their faces wet? Accidentally. Oh. Like a white wave would splash up onto the mat. And so oh, wow. there was no one around, and yet they're wearing masks in the ocean. And then you on the other side of the continuum, you have Alex Jones, who's out there yelling at people wearing masks. No <laughs> compassion for other people. Right. And... In, in, a, in a weird way, it's like, well, no, can't we meet in the middle? Can't we agree that right now, for a temporary period of time, while I don't think the government, this let me be clear on, this is my personal opinion, mm-hmm. I don't think the government should mandate wearing masks, but I think it's totally appropriate for a business to say, hey, no shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service. Yeah, there's a lot of things I wish the government didn't have to regulate. I, I agree. It's It's unfortunate, man. Right. Well, I, I, what I'm saying is, I mean, there are some things that, that, that told, makes total sense for the government to regulate that I don't think they should have to regulate, like well, the, no, dumping I mean, of toxic waste. Right. But isn't that a shame, though? Yeah. That, like, you know, the government shouldn't have to be like, now, now, don't pour oil down the drain. Right. But unfortunately, like, it's you're dealing with um, humanity. You, 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 well, and, you're, and, 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 you're dealing with greed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what, where it's different from the... the yeah, but the greed... The reason why greed is such a is so so troublesome is because humanity itself is so messy and dirty and uh, impulsive, I guess maybe. And it's like if if there were no mandates on things, then yeah, we'd have no we'd be, we'd be dead by now. 
Sure, well, yeah. Well, well, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not denying the the human nature of impulse. Yeah. What, what I'm saying is the regulations for toxic waste mm -hmm. that that makes sense to me because uh, what it is saying is you're not allowed to to profit based on the the health of other people. Sure. Sure. Uh, based on degrading the health of other people. Yeah, I understand. What you're the, the mass thing is a little bit different. Uh, but, the, but, but like the mass thing though is like a, it's it's it, to me it's along the same concept of now now you can't pour oil down the drain. It's like now now we are in a pandemic. Yeah, you can't be you can't be in large crowds of people spreading this thing. Well, that, yeah, you but, have to in fact do things to proactively not spread it. Yeah, but I but I question why. So here's my own personal opinion. Mm -hmm. I, I think that. Had this actually gone through the population a bit quicker, we'd probably be on the other side of this. It's, it's conjecture, but sure, it's, it's, of course it's it a is. hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so what I'm saying is that this virus is going to work its way through our communities mm -hmm. regardless of what we do at this point. Sure. Even the initial projections of flattening the curve was the same number of people being infected by it, but it was over a, a, a protracted period of time mm -hmm. so that our hospitals didn't get overwhelmed. And so we're in a space now where as long as our hospitals aren't overwhelmed, what we want to do is, I think we, we want to be more surgical about this and not use blunt weapons. I think what we, sh what we should be doing is protecting the people who are most vulnerable. I had to have this conversation with Ella this morning when I was driving her to the airport. She was asking about uh, you know people getting COVID a second time. And, I, and I'm saying, well, there's no data about people getting really ill from getting COVID a second time. There are, there's a lot of confusion around testing. And by the way, there is a negligible amount of people who are dying, who are healthy mm. from COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, and who, and so it's unfortunate when anyone dies, let's be clear about that. And, and there are people like me who I'm slightly immunosuppressed because of some of the, I'm on Pintasso, which is a uh, a slight immunosuppressant, mm -hmm. and and what that does is it does put me at a higher risk. But even I, who lives an otherwise healthy lifestyle, uh, was able to combat COVID relatively easily. So what's a surgical? Because to me, surgical just sounds. I don't mean it literally. I mean it figuratively. So oh so right, but it sounds like surgical regulations. Like okay, if you're at if you're at risk, then you have to wear a mask. No, but, which doesn't no, no, make no. sense because the mask prevents you from spreading and not from getting it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I think that's a misconception right. around people. Uh, the right kind of mask. If you have a P100 mask or, or maybe even N95 mask, sure. it will probably and you wear it correctly, it will probably prevent uh, you from from getting it. Although the question is, do you want to prevent yourself from getting it, depending on where you are? And if you are a, a healthy 23-year-old, mm -hmm. you're going to get it mm -hmm. uh, until and eventually we're going to reach herd immunity. It's probably better that a lot of 23-year-olds get it and they they cough twice and they're done with the whole thing, right? Yeah. As long as they're they're healthy, right? right. And so healthy individuals, by and large, aren't dying from from this. That mm -hmm. that's what the data says right now, and uh, we're. In fact, the average age of the average COVID death is higher than the average age of death hmm. in America. So what does that say? The surgical approach then is we want to isolate and protect the people who are most at risk. Well, that would be uh, the elderly mm -hmm. and the people with health problems, mm -hmm. which by the way, the elderly and people with health problems 
die of everything more frequently. Right. Not just of COVID more frequently. They mm -hmm. die of everything more frequently. They die yeah. of the flu more frequently. They die of pneumonia more frequently. They die of broken bones more frequently. They die of w heart attacks more We've frequently. We've had this mask talk before on the Maximal episodes. What, what do our patrons think? I haven't read those comments. I, I mean, I, I think... Most of our patrons are responsible and they respect other people and they have compassion for them. Um, and yeah. so there's different points of view. I think your, your point of view and my point of view are different, but we, where we align is, I think by and large, the, the, the wearing the masks is, is more of a, a signal that we're in this together yeah. than it is a, a highly effective protective measure. Hmm. I, I'm not saying it's, it's, I'm not saying it's ineffectual. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying it's not as effective as we think. Um, hmm. and, and I think, though, the way that it is effective, and this is where the patrons, I think, come together and where you and I come together, is if people are really panicked right now and they're freaking out, yeah. why wouldn't I put a mask on to ease my brother or sister yeah. on the other side of the street? Yeah. Is there data that says that you trust that you know talks about how much it because getting it it's like a three it helps by three percent or something it's really low mm -hmm. but spreading it it's like 30 percent right yeah so it depends on it depend that's absolutely true in in indoors specifically mixed, and that's and that is also mixed with the social distancing that's correct yeah so and then there's data on the social distancing that says you know two feet is not appreciably different from six feet and mm -hmm. so like yeah it, it, it a lot of it has to do with recirculate so we're in an indoor space right now right this space here is ripe for contagion, right? Mm. If one of us in this room has the the common cold, mm -hmm. the the rhinovirus, we're all gonna get it. Yeah. yeah. Well, now what our body does with it, you're really healthy with a healthy immune system, Ryan. Mm -hmm. You may not even know you had it. Don't jinx me. No, I mean no, no, no. That's uh, but here's the honest truth. A lot of people who have had COVID never even knew they had it didn't mm. even get symptoms because they had a healthy immune system yeah i would encourage you to listen to this episode i'm trying to get doctor medical doctor he's a, a triple board certified uh doctor his name is zach bush md mm. he was uh, he's been on rich rolls podcast five times okay and uh, our, our friend rich roll he was on ben greenfield's podcast recently you got to put a link to this in the show notes sean he has this great theory uh, this virus theory um, and what he's basically saying is, hey, this is going to work its course through the populace. Right. We need to... to They've be been saying that since the beginning. Right. Yeah. We, we've, we've been saying it, but right. we're in a weird way, we're trying... So, so let's, let's, let's stop for a second, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why are, why are you wearing a mask? To... For me personally, it's, yes. it's the support of... Not, I don't think I have it. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm preventing myself from spreading it. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't think the mask prevents me from getting it. Right. But it is what you talked about, a symbol of like, hey, we're in this together. Solidarity. So I'm going to wear a mask because you might have COVID, which I would like you to wear a mask because you might have COVID. Right. Right. Okay. So so let's say that's true. So so you wear a mask because if you did have COVID, you wouldn't want to spread it to other people. Sure. Um, if you were asymptomatic or whatever. But also it's a sign of solidarity. Yeah. Now one could set you set aside the solidarity for a moment. There's probably something else we could do. If if we were if we proved that masks were hundred percent not effective. Like yeah. if some amazing Harvard study came out tomorrow, hey guys, guess what? We found out masks don't work at all. Right. In fact they 
surgeons are dying at an all-time high. Right. We just realized. Yeah, we just realized nurses and surgeons they have a shorter lifespan because <laughs> right. they wear masks. Um, okay. Right. I found the stat on Infowar. Right. Uh, yeah. So no, <laughs> but what I'm saying, let's say the solidarity. There are probably better ways to show solidarity if we really. Uh, if we really wanted to, if it was only, but the symbol of solidarity mm-hmm. does have an actual purpose, though. It like the mask actually. No, I'm saying let, let's oh, parse okay. out the two. Okay, it, there is a purpose. I agree with you. We'll all wear blue ribbons. Well, th- you could do something like that, sure. right? Okay, and, and so I mean, you know, when George Floyd died, we we put up all these murals and his picture was yes. everywhere yeah. and 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 couldn't we do something that how many people have died from covid so far you know 200,000 people um, in the world yeah it's yeah yeah near you know, half a million right okay i'm just thinking america but yeah so so yeah, yeah. so half a million people yeah. like there's something we could do cuz remember when 911 happened there was like a, everyone had flags in their front yard right yeah there was a show showing of solidarity when three thousand people died yeah. we're talking half a million people we're orders of magnitude higher right yes so what i'm just saying is there are great ways to show solidarity mm-hmm. that are not as intrusive as wearing a mask so if, if the mask only showed solidarity we would agree that it was not the best way to show solidarity. Yes, and then I would really be mad at the government for making us wear masks. <laughs> yeah, sure. It'd be like uh, they mandated us to wear, you know, purple ribbons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 absolutely. So we also agree that the mask is effective in not in, in, in preventing the spread, uh, uh, of temporarily preventing the spread, of slowing the of spread. slowing the spread. It's not temporarily, yeah. but slowing the spread. Yeah, that's what I mean by temporary. Yeah, like, okay. Like if you don't get it this month, you'll get it next month or, or six months from yes. now or whatever, right? Yes. And so what I'm saying is, are we maybe, is this when we're like, we're doing the minimalism game when we should be doing a packing party? Uh, I get the analogy. I don't know. I can't think of a better way with than the than the mask mandate so the question that i hear you asking is is there is there something better that we could do than the mask mandate yeah yeah. i personally i can't think of anything better well what i'm saying is what if i'm not uh, what i'm really saying is what if we got this over with more quickly Um, oh then i well there's already data that because of the spikes that's been happening lately and here's the problem with it too is the united states is a big place so there are certain cities certain states where they're near capacity at hospitals mm-hmm. there are other states where they're very low you got mm-hmm. you know uh you have um what do they call them urgent cares you have them going out of business right because they're, they're so low and people in fact they're lower than normal because people are scared to go to an urgent care now because they don't want to catch covid yeah and you should be by the way that's the, the best place to get it exactly so uh the problem is that if we ha- if if it if we did the herd immunity thing and all got it at once, I think that in certain states, mm-hmm. you could look at X state and be like, see, we did herd immunity and they weren't overwhelmed. But then you could pull up a place like New York City and be like, see, we didn't wear masks fast enough and now we're overwhelmed. Agreed. So um, so it's a, it's a hypothesis that I, I, I don't have a firm stance on the answer to that. But I think the mask to me sounds like the middle ground. That actually sounds like the... That, that sounds like the middle ground to me, the mask mandate. Right. What I'm saying is at some point, like, and, and by the way, I'm I'm not a doctor, don't pretend to be one, and mm-hmm. we're asking questions here. This, right. We're not prescribing right. anything. We're just, we're just talking about what all of American, 
all of Americans are considering right now. Right. Yeah. And, and most of us aren't doctors. So I'm trying to consider this out loud. And that's why I'm thankful yeah. for the Patreon audience because you, you're welcome to leave comments and disagree or agree. Yeah. And, and what I'm saying is that the real problem we have in mm-hmm. this country is not a COVID problem. It's a metabolic health, metabolic health problem. That is absolutely true. I mean, we are obese. We are diabetic. Our um, immune systems suck. Which is funny, dude, because that actually goes to like, you know, I see a documentary. What was the sugar documentary? Mm. Oh, the tr- It was like the truth or... Ah, here I'll look it up. Keep talking. Yeah, so there's this documentary that basically just shows how since the popular use of the sugar that's made from corn that was fed up. Yeah, fed up. That's yeah. what it is. It just shows how essentially this corn syrup is being injected into everything and it's killing us as a nation. So then the question becomes well, does the government start to regulate sugar now? Which in some cases, the local government has, you know, right. had a soda tax mm-hmm. and things like that to try and discourage people from getting diabetes. So, yeah. So, like, you know, when you start to think about things like that, I don't know where to draw the line because, no, I don't want people to get diabetes. Yeah. But you know what, dude? If you want to live on an all-Twinkie diet, mm-hmm. then go for it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the problems are, are when we... You know, I think it makes sense to be the richest country in the world and, and provide health care for everyone. And, Ooh, yeah. And, and, but it's here, a whole different But Yeah, right. But it, then, then it becomes it. like, well, then if you have health care provided by the government, should you be allowed to go on an all-Twinkie diet? Yeah, like now you and I are paying for the person who's on the all-Twinkie diet. Or they're smoking or whatever. Now, I grew up on food stamps. Do you, do you penalize people who are on all-Twinkie diets? Like right, it's, right. Yeah, it's, yeah, that, it's a whole different can of worms. that? Yeah, right. right. So, Sean, you're not on mic. They can't hear you. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah, we don't have a mic set up. So basically, Sean is talking about podcast. Sean right now is talking about how, based on your health, that they are charging you differently for insurance. But you know, to your point though, you grew up on food stamps, right? And I, I grew up on food stamps. Uh, Unhealthy food is cheap, right? I mean, you could buy ice cream with food stamps. Yeah. So it's very. yeah, it's just such a it's such a complex subject. Right. And so so here's ultimately where I end up where I end up on this is we have to let adults be adults. Yeah. And sometimes adults make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Not just mistakes. Yeah. That, mistakes and bad decisions are different, radically different. A mistake is uh, oops, I slipped and fell, right? right? Uh, a bad decision is I decided to uh, I, I ate Twinkies instead of a kale salad. Right. Yeah, I mean, Paul Saladino would say that the, the kale salad is also bad for you. Um, Jeez, there's a whole other layer. Uh, right. We're, this, we're never going to get to the We can't define what health is. We're never going to get to the questions. There's a section <laughs> in our new book, Love People Use Things, where uh, I talk about a minimalist diet. Mm. And what I try to do is, is boil down the sort of vegan, omnivore, carnivore, uh, uh, GI doc, uh, this whole broad spectrum of what do they all agree on? And that is actually the minimalist diet. And it, it the minimalist diet is really about avoiding certain things, avoiding processed foods, 
Yeah. Uh, so packaged foods would fall into that. Avoiding refined oils, you know, canola oil and uh, vegetable oils, and yeah. uh, they all basically they all agree that that stuff's bad. Right. Right. Uh, they they all agree that processed foods are bad. They all agree that that uh, agrochemicals are bad. Yeah. If you're a vegan, you think ag- agrochemicals are bad. Um, if you're a carnivore, you think they're bad. You whatever. And uh, if you're a doctor, you think you think they're bad. Yeah. Uh, and so there there are all these things. It's, if we avoid those, then we really get to what a what health is. I think we're able to approximate yeah. health, but I, even there, there's disagreements. I just realized. So, like for me, the mask mandate is the middle ground. Uh huh. Um, dude, minimalism helps me find that middle ground because it's like this. There's this pain pleasure thing that I associate with the mask. It's like I see where it's kind of BS mm-hmm. and it sucks but I see the good of it. Mm -hmm. It's equally good and it's equally oppressive. Yes. And because of that, like I'm okay with it where the no mask thing sounds insane. And then the, uh, the other side of that would be stay in your house. Don't even leave. You have, you have to be quarantined, mandatory, mandatory quarantine. We got people patrolling the streets to make sure that you're not driving on the highway. I mean, like that would be another extreme. Yeah. Um, but it's the same thing with diet. It's like, you know, the a carnivore diet is an extreme diet. A vegan diet is an extreme diet. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's like this whole, just this whole idea of simplicity and being deliberate. It really does help me find the middle ground. And That's I think, what, we're going to change our name to the Middletons. <laughs> Middleists. <laughs> the Middleists. So, yeah. so I agree with you. It's the middle ground right now. During sure. the snapshot right. of time, yeah, that's a great but point. if we get into 2021 and there's still there's mask mandates in perpetuity, Ugh. yeah, then it's no longer the middle ground. It becomes extreme, and so there's something. Fa- so let's take away because the ma- so funny. This mask conversation is so charged. Let's take it away out of mask. The things that are the middle ground right now can be extreme in the future, or if, if they're done. Yeah. Uh, so we took Ella out to get. Uh, we gave her a Rice Krispie treat from mm. from Whole Foods yesterday. We mm. we stopped. We were in Malibu afterward and after the beach, and we bought her a Rice Krispie treat. And like it was her treat for the week, basically, right? Yeah. And she really enjoyed it. That is the middle ground. Sure. But if she ate that at every meal, it would be a extreme. Yeah. You know what's fascinating about the whole mask thing is in certain cultures, it, you're looked at weird if you don't wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like there are Asian cultures where. Um, yeah, like they, I mean, because of like, I don't know, Shanghai, wherever the air pollution is, mm-hmm. it's like, if you're not wearing a mask, then you're kind of looked at like, oh, you obviously don't care about your health. And like your society looks down on you for that. Mm. Where it's just weird how on this side of the world, we're like, if you wear a mask, you're a sheep. Yeah. You're just it, a sheeple. So, so you're, you're talking about communal cultures versus yeah. individualistic right. cultures and and I, I tend to err because of I've been acculturated one way mm-hmm. where I'm uh, I live in an indiv- individualistic society. Yeah. However, I see the benefits in community, but that that is more of a learned behavior. I've acculturated myself to the benefits of community, and I think we I think where where we where, what minimalism allows us to do here mm-hmm. is it allows us to look at both. You and I both recognize that capitalism taken to an extreme turns into crony capitalism. Yep. Socialism taken to the extreme turns into communism. Right. And and neither one of those are viable solutions. Right. What we need to do is say, what's the middle ground? And there are different approaches to get to the middle ground. I wear my mask now not because the government mandates it. I don't even know if it is mandated by our government here. No, not uh, oh in California. Yeah, I don't I don't know when Excuse me. I don't know when I have to wear it or when I'm supposed to wear it. Here's it is what, mandated in California, but 
Is it all of California? Is it L.A. County? Is it the well, city of Los Angeles? Yeah, it's definitely L.A. County, but... Okay, yeah. so, so my, that's my point, though. Yeah. Like, and, and when is it mandated? When do I have to wear one? Like, I, I don't know, but here's what, here's what I do know. Mm-hmm. I don't wear one because of that. I wear one because I'm a responsible adult, and there are other people yeah. who are going to the same grocery store as me, and right now they're terrified. Okay, so out of the however 260 million adults in this country, uh-huh. how many of those do you think are responsible? I, I don't know. I, but yeah. but the, what I'm saying is that we have to take individual responsibility first. It, just like we don't want the government... I agree with that. Well, you and I, we, we've never once advocated for the government to come in and declutter people's homes. No, right? no of course not. A- and I'm not going to stop you from... And by the way, I, you hoarding stuff, if you're a hoarder, it doesn't just affect you. It affects the people around you, affects right. your community, yeah. affects your loved ones. Uh, <laughs> you know what? The, I saw a meme. It was like, it said something like, one of the biggest mis- mistakes we made with masks is we told people that it helped other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that is, uh, it's unfortunate, but that is... I mean, I feel like you and I are the exceptions. We're not the rule. The rule in America is I have the right to be an asshole mm-hmm. and screw you. It's my right to be an asshole. Well, I, I do believe that I have the right to be left alone. Of course. Yeah, you have the right to peace, but we don't even get that. Right, right. And yeah. so so what, what, I like, what I like about where you and I are meeting in the middle here is that um, you and I both agree that we wear masks. I think we agree for different Dif- reasons. Yeah. In fact, uh, no, no, I'm, yeah, okay, yes. I, th- I think we we agree for the same reasons. I will wear a mask for the same reason you wear a mask. Okay. Um, I think the, the where we disagree is like how you get everyone else to wear a mask. Maybe. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, I I don't know that I agree. Where where we disagree, we'll just talk about where we disagree here. Sure. Is I think I think we might be better off if we didn't. Might be. If we didn't, and as long as our hospitals didn't reach capacity, that that's the key there, right? Yeah. And if we were more surgical about this, yeah. meaning we really protected the the people, because here's the problem, man: we've got 40 million people out of work, yeah. And uh, I'm not worried about the economy writ large. Right. I'm worried about the individual economy in your household. If you can't pay rent, if you can't uh, if you can't pay your um, electric bill, yeah. if you can't buy food for your family, that's a problem. Yeah. And but you know, but the same token though, what I'm hearing you posit is how do we keep things normal in an unnormal situation? And we've already talked about how there's there will never be a 2019 normal ever no, again. No, there won't be. I'm not. And in fact, I'm not even saying... Uh, how how do we keep things normal? I'm saying, but, but I guess what I'm saying is, there's 40 million people out of work. This is part of that transition mm-hmm. to what the hell is going to happen, right? It's it's just because it's very unnormal times. It's too fast of a transition is the problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so y- you and I, when we talk about like the retail stores closing, all, all, the amount of retail that's closing, this was going to happen over the next 10 years. Sure, it just when it happens all at once, it's really, really, really painful. Yeah, and we, and yeah, you and I can both agree on how. How much you know our hearts go out to these individuals who are affected. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about this metaphor. So I was at the beach yesterday. Okay. And there was this family. I've never seen. You know, there's a saying: you don't bring sand to the beach, <laughs> right? You know the saying, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, 
They didn't bring sand to the beach. Okay. It was a family. They brought a kid's swimming pool to the beach. <laughs> oh, but the saying is that the saying is you don't bring sand to the beach. The saying is that you don't bring water to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't bring the water. They just brought the pool. Oh, that's interesting. And Ryan, I don't think they didn't realize how heavy water is because they tried to take the pool. It was a hundred gallon pool, probably. It was just two guys. That, it was like a. You know, a dad and the grandpa, they took the pool to the ocean, (laughs) filled it up with water, and tried to carry it back. You can't carry 100 or 150, 200 gallons. You can't carry 20 gallons of water. No. Yeah. And so they drag it onto the shore using the the current. And so they go to the shore. They can't even drag it. It's so heavy. Right. And so eventually they empty it out, bring it back up to their seat. And then they go one bucket at a time to the ocean. Genius. One like it's like a children's bucket too. And they're going and just oh. scoop one bucket of water, pour it in, walk back to the ocean. There is a metaphor there. I don't know what it's for. Uh, but I can tell you why they did that. They wanted their kids to enjoy the beach mm-hmm. safely. Yeah. They, they didn't want their kids in the ocean. Right. But then just don't go to the ocean yeah but that's what i'm saying okay so we're almost there in this <laughs> metaphor it's like you want your kids to enjoy being in water uh but you don't bring if you're scared of their for their safety then you don't bring them to the ocean if uh-huh. yeah if you're if you want them to be in water yeah i don't know what the metaphor is there is something there let though. us know patrons come up yeah. with a metaphor there leave it in the patreon comments one other discussion topic we talked about zach bush earlier it's a great mm-hmm. podcast he did with ben greenfield it's a bit contrarian with respect to the covid stuff but in a third way where mm-hmm. it's not like it's not alex jones versus the ladies wearing the masks in the pool it's like hey Here's another way that you probably haven't looked at the whole COVID situation. I would do a bad job of regurgitating it, so I would strongly recommend you you listen to it, Uh, and especially since I want to get to these questions here. But one thing he talked about was, uh, and I've always had this question in my mind. I couldn't answer it until he finally gave me the answer. He said, what's one of the best things you can do to improve your immune system? Do you know? Uh. Greenfield's the the advice he constant I hear him constantly giving. So this is Zach Bush. It wasn't Greenfield. Oh, okay. Yeah, he okay. was on Greenfield's. Podcast. I don't know what it is. I was going to say hot cold, hot and cold showers. That will that will improve your immune system. Yeah. But one of the best things you can do, and this is counterintuitive, especially during COVID times, lick subway railings. <laughs> also not true. <laughs> don't do that. I don't think anyone's telling anyone to do that. <laughs> no, hug people. It's one of the best ways to. So you're you're kind of micro dosing. Interesting. Think about this. We've for a been second. microdosing for this la- the last ten years on our immune system. Why would you think about it? we've g- we've given sixty thousand hugs over the course of eight years that we were touring? Dude, can we do a record? We should try to break a record for the world's longest hug line. Uh, you, you know, oh my gosh! I wonder yeah. what that. I wonder well, what here's that is. the thing. I wonder like who's given the most hugs ever? Like we've got to be. We're in the top one percent for sure. Yeah, uh, we're in the top one percent of something, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> so. We've given over sixty thousand hugs, mm-hmm. and you know there were times where, especially early on, when this event started growing, and we would have several hundred people at an event before there were thousands of people at events. We we would have a few hundred people there, and like we would just stay around, and hug every single person. And here's the question I had: Why don't we ever get sick from this? Mm. Well, the answer is we were strengthening our immune system. Now, Zach Bush does a better job explaining that than I would. Wow. But it finally clicked for me because I always ask that question, like, how 
did we just get that lucky that we never got sick while we were on the road? Hmm. Well, no. The answer is we were actually strengthening our immune system. It's the same reason why I inject a little bit of snake venom <laughs> every morning. I do a strychnine and snake venom mixture every With a baby cobra. It's <laughs> so when you bite me, I don't die, Josh. <laughs> All right, we got some surprise questions here that folks texted in <sighs> 937 202 We need to talk to Ben about um, anti-vaxxing because I really want to hear his take on it. So Ben is not an anti-vaxxer. He is a vaccine questioner. Again, this is not something I would oh, talk yeah. about on, yeah. on a regular podcast. But that's kind of where you and I are. It's like yeah, so I will avoid vaccines as much as I can avoid them. Like with the, with the COVID vaccine, for example, like I would not take that because I feel like if I got COVID, I would survive it. But the polio vaccine probably wouldn't survive polio. Yeah, probably not. So like there are vaccines that I'm like, yeah, I'd rather go with the, you know, the chance of having a negative effect of this polio vaccine than the negative effect of like actually getting polio. So, yeah. okay. So Ben, it sounds to me like, because when I hear vaccine questioner, that's what I hear. Well, I, I hear the middle ground. Yes, although there's there's plenty of room to meet in the middle ground, right? So sure. so I'm a vaccine questioner, but my daughter is vaccine va- vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, would I give her the COVID vaccine? No, of course not. She's already had COVID, which is already better than getting a vaccine yep. because you have the real antibodies, yeah. right? And so, um, by the way, a lot of a lot of a lot of virologists are even saying like, oh, this first vaccine is not going to be as effective as as you would hope. Like, it's this is yeah. not the panacea. Well, you know what's funny is every vaccine. Well, I shouldn't say every vaccine. The polio vaccine specifically when I was a kid, I remember the doctor. I was in the room, and it was a drink. And the doctor was like, hey, we're going to give your your son the polio vaccine. I want you to know he has a 0.1% chance of getting polio from this vaccine because there's pieces of mm. the polio virus in this uh, in this uh, uh, vaccine. And I remember being really scared that I was going to be the 0.1% with polio. Mm-hmm. But my point is, is like, if, so that particular vaccine, I'm not talking about all vaccines, but the polio vaccine specifically, it, it gives you enough of the virus so your body builds up the antibodies, which to your point, like that's the best way to get over a virus. Yeah. To I, build I, up the antibodies. If I had to guess, I don't know for sure. I don't. I would guess that Ben Greenfield's kids are not vaccinated at yeah. all. I bet you they have no vaccine. Now, I have a few doctor friends, mm. medical doctors. I do too. Who don't vaccinate their kids. Yeah. And... And to me, it's like, well, again, I, I'm a person who has been vaccinated. Although you and I, like, we haven't had booster shots in the last few years of you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've gotten, uh, I've, I've gotten like the, um, what's the, what's the rusty nail? Tetanus. Uh, yeah, tetanus. I've had a tetanus shot. There's something else. Yeah, but have you had, you know, mumps, measles? And no. Rem- yeah. So, so no. like, uh, the, the vaccines only last a certain amount of time. You're not vaccinated for life. Right. And so like, we haven't had booster shots. So I guess technically in that way, I'm, it's not that I'm anti-vaxxer there. I just, I've just haven't, I've decided not to do it. Yeah. I don't get a flu shot every year, but I know some people who do and some people who don't. Dude, have I ever talked about my flu shot experience on, not on the podcast, but you should. Okay. Okay. All right. Y'all listen to this. I'll, I'll act like I'm talking to you, Josh. So my, uh, grandfather, when I was in high school, I was a senior in high school. I used to like go over there after school because he would like, <laughs> he would A, let me drink a little whiskey uh-huh. and never would get like drunk with him, but he'd let me have a little whiskey and he would make um, raw hamburger meat and onion and mustard sandwiches. And I'm not talking about freaking like 
good quality hamburger meat. I mean, this, this wasn't was, Bel Campo. No, dude, this was like store bought day old, getting ready to go bad. Hey, I found a deal on this hamburger meat. Uh huh. At Kroger. Yeah. So I tried one one time, and uh, it was it, it just it was I never wanted to have it again. <laughs> you know, it was I was hungry. He's like, I'm making a raw meat and. You know, raw meat, a raw hamburger sandwich. If you want one, and I tried it, and I was—I mean, I ate it, but I was like, "All right, I'm not going to eat that again" because oh. it was just, yeah, it's—it was like it filled me up. Um, but I certainly didn't have an appetite after I, no. <laughs> so it did take care of my appetite. Yeah. So anyway, I'm at—I'm over at his apartment, and uh, it's like a retirement home, and he's like, "Ryan, I got to tell you, don't ever get the flu vaccine." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, Gramps." He's like, thanks, "No, no, Doctor Grandpa." Yeah, thanks, thanks, Doctor Doctor Gramps. He's like, but look, man, he's shows me his fingers and he's like, I took the flu vaccine and he's like, six months later, this is what happened to my fingers. All his fingers were pointing crooked. Uh-huh. Like it had Because I know you, I know where this is going. It had like it had uh somehow uh, he had arthritis. Uh-huh. So like, you know, I thought maybe it had uh I don't know, accelerated was, his arthritis or he was conflating two things. Well, that's as a senior in high. Looking back, I think maybe it, yeah, it accelerated his arthritis. When I was a senior in high school, I was like, "He's freaking crazy." Uh huh. He sounds nutty right now. Uh huh. Because he had a lot of nutty, not a lot of nut. He had a lot of nutty ideas. Sure. So fast forward, uh, I'm 25 or 26. I'm at CVS. I'm just, I don't know. I'm getting like aftershave. I don't know, dude. Mm-hmm. And I see a sign that says, "Hey." Check with our pharmacy to see if your insurance covers a free uh, flu vaccination. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So, you know, the mar- <laughs> it's on sale. <laughs> I'd be stupid not to see if I could get it for free. I've got this telecom insurance. <laughs> so I go to the pharmacist. Turns out my insurance covers it. I get the flu vaccine. <laughs> and, dude, I, I'm thinking about my grandfather's fingers. I was paying attention to my hands over the next several months dude your fingers are crooked as hell well hold on this this so for the people watching this on video this pinky has always <laughs> been messed up because i jammed it playing football but if you look at my middle fingers it's just my middle fingers They're dude. so crooked yeah dude like literally it goes up and then points out and my actually i guess my other no yeah they're kind of crooked-y. kind of dude but those middle fingers specifically yeah. like that is um that's a that that is from the flu vaccine dude i swear to god <laughs> so I know, I know I sound crazy right now, but it does sound crazy. But but because of my grandfather, when I got the flu vaccine, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna keep an eye on it. And I don't know when it was, but I just woke up one day and I was like, oh my god, my fingers are going crooked, and I got the flu vaccine anyway. Yeah. So there is something to questioning vaccines, is what I'm getting at, because my own personal experience, yeah, may, has made me question all the vaccines that were you know that are pushed at us essentially yeah yeah and so i'm not telling you what you should or shouldn't do right although i think it is healthy healthy to question either way so you could be like ben and not do any vaccines for your children you could be like me and vaccinate your children i'm not saying one is right or wrong and that in fact that's the problem is we vaccinated l and i'm wondering did we do the wrong thing yeah and 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 then I mean probably look at her (laughs) and then I want to know all the things she hates about the beach (laughs) and and then uh, but then of course if we didn't vaccinate her and something went wrong we'd have to think well we did we do the wrong thing and so either way it's like what is it's the my favorite Jim Harrism is hindsight is 50 50 yeah Uh, and you know the the truth is you won't know until after the fact and so collect whatever evidence data information 
to to get the knowledge that you need, yeah. but uh, eventually you'll you'll have to figure out on your own what is the most appropriate decision for you. I'm I'm definitely not an anti-vaxer. I'm also not a pro-vaxer. I am uh, all for asking questions. When's the last time you talked to Jim R? Uh, on Facebook recently. Really? Yeah. How's he doing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Har is an old mentor of mine. He's one of my favorite mentors. Maybe Dude, my. Yeah, he. Uh, you know, he's a. I kind of want to be Jim Har when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> he was always the guy who would say, "Help me under." Every time I screwed up, yeah. help me understand. Yeah. And like it, it became this thing because he did it in a way that was loving, but also it made you. Uh, he never answered your questions directly either. I would call him like, I've got this customer who's escalating and what should I do? He's like, um, he, he was asked, like, what do you think you should do? Mm-hmm. And uh, he would always answer my questions with a question until I eventually had to just come up with the answer myself. And I'd be like, um, well, I would guess I'll replace it and I would swap out and I change the serial number. He's like, yeah, I think that sounds like a good solution. Yeah. I'm glad I thought of it. <laughs> Bye, Josh. Click. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah he he helped me with critical thinking like he taught critical thinking to me in a way that no one else ever has yeah and i'm, I'm really uh appreciative of that but he had a bunch of like jim har isms and i in fact in love people use things i call them har isms and my favorite was he one day he said i screwed something up and i figured it out after the fact and i said uh you know i screwed it up screwed this up and he meant to say well you know hindsight's 2020 but for whatever reason and the silly mood he was in hindsight's 50 50 yeah and like to me it's even more profound than hindsight is 2020 like hindsight is 2020 of course everything you see everything in hindsight but i got out of this like yeah you know sometimes it could go either way and you're not going to know until you have hindsight right and, and I think that's kind of where we are with the vaccines. There's data that certainly supports uh, the the necessity for vaccines. There's a whole lot of anecdotal evidence, though, that also is terrifying. Yeah. And um, you know, you you can you can review that on your own and question on your own. We're an hour into this, so we should probably answer some questions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know, I mean, ultimately, that's what we want people to do is like what Jim Hart did with you. We want to do with other people. Yeah. How would you approach it? Right. Yeah. Ask you, making you ask those questions instead yeah. of us answering the questions for you. Yeah. That's a great point. Taryn has a question. Before minimalism, I loved shopping. I loved online shopping for retail therapy. Mm. Over time, I replaced that with splurging on experiences. A treat day might be a lunch out, a trip to the winery, or a manicure. Can you recommend any pandemic healthy ways to treat myself without accumulating crap or exposing myself and maybe others to the virus? It's so interesting because like I, well, the treat yourself, um, it makes me think of Parks and Rec. Uh-huh. And there's like these two characters on that show who they have like a day where it's treat yourself and they just like splurge on everything. Uh-huh. And it's very, it's done very well comically, but in practice it seems miserable to me to yeah. like just have a day where you act on every single impulse. Right. But also it seems miserable to me to not ever have ice cream again for mm. the rest of my life. So it's like there is this balance between uh, going on every impulse and then being a, you know, a stoic essentially. That's the thing I have to try to teach Ella is everything is tr- a treat. Nothing is a treat. Yeah. And, yeah. and so 
when you're talking about these these in fact i use different language so i i try not to do anything because i deserve it yeah that that's a thing that is a slippery slope right because well i worked hard so i'm gonna do this thing because i deserve it well no the hard work should be the reward in and of itself like finishing a book is rewarding not because I finished the book, but because the process of working on a book in and of itself is rewarding. And then you mm-hmm. finish it and you can move on to the next thing. I don't go buy myself an ice cream as a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so maybe instead of treat, maybe I would use the word celebrate. What are we celebrating? Yeah. And then I would ask myself, what's a healthy way to celebrate? Yes. So, yeah, whatever vernacular, you know, you choose to use in this situation, uh, that's okay. Just... Again, what do you think the appropriate amount of treating yourself or what do you think the appropriate amount of celebration is? What would you tell, you know, the best version of yourself with the appropriate amount is what would you tell your kids? Yeah. Um, that's, that's where, cause what's appropriate for me is different than, cause like I could go and be like, you know what? Cause I couldn't say the last time I had ice cream and I could go and have, you know, a freaking, you know, malt. I mean, I wouldn't cause like, I just, I don't. I just don't feel like I need to like treat myself and I would feel worse after having it. But let's just say that after this podcast, I'm like, you know what? I haven't had a malt in a year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a malt and drink it. I could do that and I would be fine. Mariah couldn't do that. Right. If she did that, she would, it would be horrible for her, man. Cause she, she has lactose issues. She has uh candida issues. Same thing with you. Like if you drink a malt, it would make you absolutely miserable. Yeah, so terrible. So Josh and I can't really sit here and say, Hey, here's the appropriate amount of, celebration for you yeah um only you can decide that but you know you do have to decide that well she's asking also like what do we do now so during the pandemic yeah right and it's funny we use this word treat and that's why i would try to avoid it we use the word treat to justify mistreating ourselves mm. the malt Ooh, is it's a, a mistreatment gr- day right so so Ooh. it's not a treat it's a mistreat and so what would what would be the way to actually treat yourself well yeah that is the way to do it. So instead of the you know, the milkshake or whatever you're talking about there, I it, for me it's what what are the, what are healthy ways that I can celebrate this. So uh, just recently I went out with with Bex and Ella and we went out and we did this this hiking adventure out we out in Calabasas, right? Yeah. And because I've been exercising a lot more and doing a lot more cardio recently i've been able to start running on the trails and i've never been a runner in my life isn't it awesome dude like i've noticed that too just getting on the exercise bike and like going up a hill Mm -hmm. it's like when we were in um sedona we were like walking up i mean it was straight up like these it was just yeah it was like a year ago i would have been out of breath Mm -hmm. but like in the moment i was just like cruising up the hill i'm like this is awesome yeah, yeah. I'm with I, you. I have legs for the first time in my life. Ow! I no longer feel like the the John Delaney joke. Do you remember that? What did he say? Uh, he goes, "I think the only thing my body's for is to get my head from room to room." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I felt that way for a long time, but now I have, I have like they're still thin legs, but they're not they're not bone skinny anymore. And and so that to me is also a treat. Going out with the family mm-hmm. and hiking for several hours in the sun. What a treat, but I'm also treating myself well. I'm not yeah. mistreating myself. And that's the thing I I I'm trying to communicate with Ella like in a way like I try to even the treats that we get her, mm-hmm. they're things that aren't mis 
treating her. Yeah. The, the 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 Rice Krispie treat is an example of that. Like that's outside the norm, but it's not so unhealthy that it's mistreating her. It's right. a, a, and it's not an unhealthy amount of it. Right. A, and so. Maybe I, if I'm you, I'm switching treat to celebration and I'm figuring out things I could do. What are some of the things you do right now that because um, I, I do miss the things that were my treat before going to the movies. Yeah. Um, now, uh, going to coffee shops, mm-hmm. but I used to write in coffee shops. There was a blue bottle close to me and yeah. I really enjoy going to that blue bottle and sitting down. A lot of this book is written in two different blue bottles yeah. and, and this new book that we have coming out. And... I haven't been able to do that since the love people use things brought to you by blue blue bottle. <laughs> right. But like I, I, I miss it. And so I, in fact, I went to blue bottle the other day and it's just to go orders mm-hmm. and I'm there with Ella and it's just not the same thing. Like right. I can make coffee at home. I, I brought her there because like, we were getting out of the house and, and, and yeah, I just didn't, it's just not the same thing. I want to be able to sit there around ambient people, but we can't do that right now because as Taryn says, there's, the the thought of spreading the virus and a lot of people are freaked out by that understandably so right yeah. especially folks who are unhealthy yeah uh and, and so uh, are there things you're doing right now ryan uh going on walks and hikes like you uh one of my favorite things we've been doing lately is mariah and i we have uh friends who we usually have game night with so this would be miserable for you josh oh. but but for talk about a mistreat <laughs> I know it's 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 a shame you're allergic to fun, but anyway. Uh, okay, wait. Okay, I'm sorry. You say that mm-hmm. you're tr- this is true. Mm-hmm. There, I'm reading Rob Bell's new book right now, yeah. and um, <clears throat> speaking of interrupting, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I know, right? I had I had <laughs> to though. The, oh, it wasn't Rob Bell. It was our friend Chris Ryan. He 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 says like work is anything that you do that you don't want to be doing mm-hmm. if you wanted to be doing it it'd be called play mm-hmm. and for me it's like no play is any is anything i don't want to do mm. i'd rather be working I'd rather be working yeah. yeah i'm sorry continue your metaphor and um, story friends game night yes uh so we have done things like escape rooms together uh we'll play settlers of Catan. you know we'll do we usually get together and do something as uh as couples. You can't do escape rooms during COVID though, can you? You can. Really? They have online escape rooms. Oh, wow. They're freaking awesome. So just Google online escape rooms. Okay. And there are a ton of different companies out there that have put these together. And when I heard it, I just kind of, I was skeptical. And then we actually did them. So we would set up a Zoom link and we could talk everything out as we're both on the same website and it syncs up with okay. yeah, so it's it's uh it's really interesting. I'll tell you what it reminds me of though. Really, what it is, it's like a version of you probably didn't like. I had a friend who had um, King's Quest, which is like a computer game, and you literally like it just shows you a room and you type in commands like look under that rock, mm. look. It's like a mist. If you ever heard of that game, mm. so it, there's these computer games that essentially it gives you a you know kind of a puzzle that you have to figure out um and it's the same thing with these with these escape rooms it's like a puzzle that you can figure out but they've they have just taken that idea of what I'm talking about with King's Quest and Mist and have mixed that with the idea of an escape room 
and it's awesome, man. It's a lot of fun. Okay. It's yeah, you would hate it, but it's a lot. It's a lot of fun for people out there who like escape rooms and like having game nights and stuff. It really is. Uh, it's it's really cool. Um, what else do I do? Uh, we can go out to dinner now. Like we went to um Santa Monica, and uh, outdoor dining, right? Yeah, and it's interesting. Like we, we went to the seafood place with some friends who were moving to Sedona, and we were like having this you know farewell dinner with them, and I. Cause I hadn't been out to eat in so long. I was like, Oh wow. Like this is a treat mm. being able to like sit down and have some amazing food. Cause there's something about when I cook amazing food myself, it's not as good <laughs> because I, I, it's like, it's, I'm watching how the sausage gets made. Yes. So by the time it becomes sausage, I'm like, yeah, this is tasty, but I really saw how this sausage got made. Right. Where there is something good about eating sausage when you don't see it get made in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, if, if it's a healthy meal in particular, yeah. then it's not a mistreat, right? It is an yep. actual treat. It's it's good for you and it's a good experience. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's what we're talking about here. How do you find those good experiences that are celebratory that you enjoy because that's what you're really doing you're celebrating their departure mm-hmm. and their next chapter yes but you're also doing it in a way that you're treating you and your the people in your community yeah fairly and 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 healthfully yeah. and i think that's important because if not if you're mistreating yourself it's going to give you pleasure but it's going to give you discontent in the long run yeah amanda has a question how do you stop agonizing over what is junk and what can be uh, and what can be responsibly donated this is my biggest hang-up when decluttering perhaps it's guilt around throwing stuff away but the, i think maybe the guilt is misplaced what, what are we talking mm. about here we're talking about a few things and I, I like this this word agonizing it's so close to anxiety right yeah. you're feeling some anxiety around letting go around the stuff you've accumulated but what is the what behind the what if agonizing and anxiety is the what, what are we really talking about? Well, there's another word in here. It's guilt. So you're feeling guilt. Well, what, what are these other feelings that you are feeling? There's might be a, a particular despair. Mm. Despair means I feel like this isn't going to change in the future. And that's why you're holding on to it because there's nothing I can, I can do with it. And so there's guilt. There's despair. There may even be shame. So guilt says something about what you've done. You've accumulated these things. Shame says I'm the type of person mm. who accumulates this junk. I'm a hoarder. That's mm. shame. Yeah. I've hoarded something is guilt. I'm a hoarder is shame. Mm. And, and so there are all these feelings, the what behind the what. And if you're agonizing over this stuff, I think your guilt might be misplaced. The guilt that you experience is like, hey, I bought the wrong thing that doesn't serve a purpose in my life. There's, there's something here about today's purchase is tomorrow's guilt. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. And so... Uh, uh, there is the novel I wrote, As a Decade Fades, the main character, Jody Grafton, he has a tattoo on his uh, on his left forearm that says future regrets. Mm. And like, if I ever got a tattoo, I think that'd be my reminder. Yeah. Is, is th- because you're, the decision you're making today, if you don't make it right, it's going to be a future regret. Here's the thing though. If you, if you buy something and you get a lot of value from it, but then you stop getting value from it and you let go of it, you don't regret that purchase. Right. Wow, that was that mattress I used for seven years, was it great. was wonderful. I slept great on it and now it's done. I don't regret that purchase. Yeah. But if you buy the mattress that 
it was an impulse mattress buy because you heard some sort of mattress commercial on a podcast and mm -hmm. you didn't like it and they won't let you return it for whatever reason because it's been 101 days. All of a sudden, you're like, I regret this stupid purchase. Right. And, and that's the difference, right? And so what you're talking about is a bunch of things that you regret accumulating because they weren't brought in intentionally. Well, how do you do this going forward? You are better defensive going forward. And the stuff you've accumulated now, I have a 30-day rule. So I try to sell the things that are, when I was in debt, it was more than 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. If something was more than $20, I said, right, I'm going to give myself 30 days to sell it. And on day 31, if I couldn't sell it, I would lower the price throughout the month. Mm -hmm. I, if I couldn't sell it, I would donate it. Yeah. And if I couldn't donate it, well, then what? Then you have to throw it out. Recycle it, yeah. Yeah, recycle. I mean, you're absolutely right. Recycle it. And if you can't recycle it, then you have to throw it out. In fact, yeah. uh, there's a whole essay, a very, it's a short essay on our website about this entire process, mm. uh, but it's called How to Let Go of Possessions. And I'll just read that to you really quick because it's, it's really when to sell, donate, recycle, etc. It's like six lines. Our possessions possess us. This is how we let go. If a thing stops adding value, sell it. If it doesn't sell it, if it doesn't sell in a week, lower the price. If it doesn't sell in 30 days, donate it. If it, if a donation place doesn't accept it, recycle it. If it can't be recycled, trash it as a last resort. Mm. Once we let go, we're able to move on. There's something about when you decide to live intentionally, you are putting a spotlight on all the mistakes you've made. Yes. And some mistakes that you haven't even realized you made. So there is a, this is an interesting topic of um, opening yourself up to, yeah, trying to forgive yourself for these past mistakes that you didn't even realize you were making. It's like when someone, it's like when I think about my dad and how he became a Jehovah's Witness and he got, you know, here's all these rules that he started following. He looked, he looked at how he lived up to that point as like, you know, he felt shame and guilt and, there was a process of him having to forgive himself for all these things. It's, it's, uh, I see it, you know, this is a very similar thing where like you have to be open to accepting the mistakes you've made, forgiving yourself for them and learning from those mistakes as you move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Accepting that you have made some bad decisions in your life. Guess what? So have I, yeah. so is Ryan. So is everyone listening to this. If, in fact, if you've done, if you've lived a life worth mentioning yeah. you've you've made some mistakes and you've made some bad decisions the key then isn't to go relitigate those bad decisions mm -hmm. you can't do anything about it right in our new book right i i write about the time that i was arrested for shoplifting yeah and uh that wasn't a mistake that was a bad decision right. and at the time i had a really good reason to do it right I'm not going to ruin the reason. You'll have to read the book if you want to check that out. But like th there was, th you could actually justify it. And even now, if, if I if I wasn't my mature self, I could twist myself into a, a pre pretzel and say, yeah, of course, here's why I did it. Right. You would do it in that situation too. Right. However, it was still a bad decision. I was justifying sacrificing my values so that I could have some sort of short-term gain. Mm. You did that in the past. You don't have to go back and relitigate every bad decision you made. Right. Now, it feels like you have to because you're letting go of some of those items. You still have the remnants. That's what our stuff is quite often. Our yeah. stuff is the remnants of bad decisions. Yeah. And and the quicker you let that go, as I said in that short essay, the quicker you can move on. And that's the cycle I would go through, the one I just read to you. Teresa has a question here. My kitchen counters are the one thing that always get cluttered. And seeing that mess stresses me out. I love cooking. 
It's one of my great joys in life. But that means I have a lot of tools, appliances, fruits and veggies, ferments and sprouts on my counters. <laughs> I know minimizing would help. Oh, man. But I'm not sure what I'd get rid of now. Any tips for keeping organized? Well, that's the first problem. So um, don't confuse organizing with simplifying. In fact, organizing often complicates our life. Mm. The word compli complicate means to complex, mm -hmm. which is to interweave mm -hmm. two or more things together. And what does organizing do? It puts all these things, it interweaves all of these, these things that we're holding onto into a nice bin or basket or a little tray or whatever it is, mm. right? Yeah. Now, yeah, well, it's, it's like the plant situation I was talking about in the uh, minimal episode. It's like, because uh, here are things that obviously add value to her life. Um, if she wants to sprout and ferment and freeze or freeze dry or whatever it is, uh, uh, if you want to do those things, it's going to take up some space. Mm -hmm. And you have to decide whether or not you're willing to give up that space in your home for those items. Just like with the plants, like we have, we have some plants at home. Um, we, I think, I feel like we have an appropriate amount, but now I've got these like tomato plants and the Serrano plants. I'm going to go ahead and like do all the work put into it, but it's going to make my balcony a little bit more cluttered, but because of the fruits, the literal fruits I'm going to get from these plants, uh, I'm going to go ahead and allow them to take up a little bit of space. So that's, that's the decision. Now, if like it, if it's bothering me constantly, then we'll get rid of the plants. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah. I think there's a middle ground too. And, and let me let me say what we do with our. So our counters are exceptionally clean. Anytime mm -hmm. you come over, I have I literally have four things on our counter. Mm -hmm. We have a hot water kettle. Mm -hmm. We have a coffee grinder. Yeah. We have a scale mm -hmm. that that weighs coffee, and they're all right next to each other. Now all th now so th there's something here about all three of those things are beautiful. They cost a little bit more than if you were buy the, the really cheap versions. Mm. But they're beautiful, so they look good on the counter. Yeah. And we also have a paper towel holder, right? Now, if I lived by myself, I would probably have none of those things even on the counters. Mm. I, I would store those. Right. And the drawers, cabinets, whatever. Because out of sight, out of mind. I, but because I live with a family, we've decided these are the four things that we have out on the counter. Everything else... We do the work of storing it after the fact. Right. Like the Instapot you have. Yes. It's out while it's being used. Exactly. When it's not being used, you put it away. Right. It's not on top of the counter. Our yeah. blender, we have a blender. It's not on top of the counter. Yeah. We have several other appliances that you would generally just store on top of the counter. So the rule that I hear you making for yourself is if there's not room in the cabinets for it, then there's not room on the counter for it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and then there's not room in my house for it, basically. Yeah. And, and so let me just point this out my wife is a registered dietitian and a nutritionist she cooks twice a day right it's not like well we just eat out at every meal no no no, no. she she cooks all the time mm -hmm. it's just we're willing we you have to be willing to do the work it's it's more work to bring out the instapot out of the cabinet and we don't I mean, you've seen our kitchen it's tiny yeah we have a small kitchen right but what we do is we 
put in the work to store the things appropriately, bring mm-hmm. them out when we need them. Mm-hmm. Is it a slight hassle? Yes, but it's less of a hassle than if they were there mm-hmm. bothering me every moment of every day in my kitchen. This is a great point because if you all lived in like a studio apartment, mm-hmm. you'd probably have less stuff. So that's a question that I forget who the name of this person asking it. But she Teresa. Needs, Teresa, she needs to ask herself, like, okay, how much room do you have in your place? That everything that you just mentioned, is that appropriate for the size of your kitchen? Yeah. Um and then have more the things you're gonna have on your counters. If you're sprouting and all this other stuff, get the things that are aesthetically pleasing to you. It doesn't have to be aesthetically pleasing to other people, but the things that you enjoy the most, so they bother you less the fact that they're on your counters. Yeah. You, you have a, a really beautiful uh, water kettle and like having that out if it was really ugly if you had this bright orange and red mismatched you'd be like oh god why do I have this on the counter mm. but it's less obtrusive because in a way it's sort of like a work of art right yeah, sure and yeah. so so if you think about it that way you can have things that are that are photo worthy art worthy uh, pieces of useful things on your counters as well. Amy has a question for us. I've made progress on paring down objects and items in my life, even though my partner had an incredibly challenging time letting go of anything. Uh, we have made progress. Uh, due, due to the cure, <laughs> due to the cure, the circumstances of being home all the time, the cure, that's a weird way to put it. I love the cure. <laughs> I think they mean the coronavirus, but Maybe. they said the cure. Yeah. Uh, being home all the time, it's been clear we have a long ways to go. I often get overwhelmed by my stuff and have been known to perhaps go too far when this happens and just get rid of a whole pile of stuff without considering any of it. Well, that's a problem. So, Dude, that's the other side of the problem. That's Spartanism. Well, yeah, because, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, yeah, well, so, so I'll just say, so uh, uh, hoarder is one side of the OCD continuum. Yep. They can't let go of anything. A Spartanist is a not a spartan like the greeks with the six-pack abs and stuff but uh the, a spartanist is a person who has ocd like me uh, uh i have ocd i was more on the hoarder side when i was unintentional but a spartanist is also unintentional they just can't hold on to anything right it usually starts with the stuff but then they start getting rid of like toenails and arms and and all of these these things right the spartanist uh can't hold on to anything and then it ventures out into relationships and everything else what's the commonality between both of them they're not intentional with their stuff yeah what i was thinking when i heard her say that is that i'm I'm like she she's taking the easy route she's just looking for the easy answer Mm -hmm. the easy answer is to hold on to everything the easy answer is just let everything go the hard answer is simplifying and doing things deliberately yeah so uh, uh maybe the answer for her is find a way to accept the hard work that you have to do. And then when you need to do hard work, I mean, personally, I do uh, hard work better when I have someone else involved with it. So maybe you get your partner involved and you guys do the hard work, but it's going to be hard work. Yeah. I think that with a question like this, what we're talking about is the answer to having too much stuff isn't to get rid of all of your stuff. Mm. The answer is to start to question those things with intention and asking those questions. Does this add value to my life? Uh, Does it serve a purpose or bring me joy? And if not, I'm willing to let it go. I'm going to establish some rules, whether it's the seasonality rule, the just in case rule, or any of the other rules in our free uh, minimalist rule book. 
those rules will help guide you in that direction to let go, but you're going to have to tweak them for you, but you're going to have to use them intentionally. Otherwise, if we're just getting rid of the stuff, we're going to be in the same predicament because you're going to let go of all of it. You can set your house on fire and then just buy another house worth of stuff. Mm -hmm. That does not solve the problem. What solves the problem is you questioning the things that you have in your life and you question the things you bring in. Last question here from Naomi. My parents, I love them to death, but sometimes they try to tell me what to do and don't respect me as a young adult. My brother moved out of the house um, without telling anyone, and it sucks because I know I have to pay more for my rent and would feel bad leaving my parents alone in a house that costs too much. Mm, that doesn't uh, sound like her problem, though. Yeah, yeah. Also, my dad, who was unemployed, just had a heart, heart just had heart surgery. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you want to be supportive for, of course. for your parents, Naomi, but um, you can't solve everyone's problems either. Yeah. Uh, Naomi, you want to do as much as you can to love and support and respect your parents. That is first and foremost. But you've got to be honest with what the appropriate amount of love, support, and respect is for your parents. Your parents' debt is not your debt. And if you go through life thinking that way, that your parents' debt is your debt, then, you know, Josh and I don't have an answer for that. If you want to take on your parents' debt, then there's a lot of stress that's going to come along with that. Mm -hmm. If it was me, um, I would have a conversation with my parents like, hey, I'm not going to take on your debt anymore. And, uh, it's appropriate for me to go out on my own and I'm sorry that that's going to put you in a bad spot, Mm -hmm. but I'm willing to help you get out of this spot. If you're willing to get, you know, do the work also to get out of this spot. If your parents are just forcing these things on you, I mean, you may be a young adult, but you're still an adult and you get to make adult decisions. Yeah. Now their decisions are are not your decisions. Right. Right. And so you take the debt thing a little bit, farther right and that's good and bad decisions by the way like we often have have parents uh, some people i have parents who were phenomenal parents mm-hmm. and they had all these achievements they they won the president's club at their work and they got the promotions and they they made all these great decisions well that doesn't mean that you're going to make great decisions as a result right mm-hmm. it, it, but the reverse of that is if your parents made bad decisions, whether it's with their finances or other resources, you don't have to take those on. You're not obligated to. So if you do choose to take those those burdens on, mm-hmm. you, you decide to spend your limited resources, yeah. your skills, your time, your energy, your attention, your money mm-hmm. on their decisions, well, that's up to you. I would do so with intention Mm -hmm. because not doing so just means you're taking on their burden well then how for how long and really is that if you if you're taking on someone else's burden then you're not allowing them to fully experience their own burden absolutely and you know i'm not sure how much good that is doing for your parents well patrons this is this has been a, a a different type of maximal episode today Uh, Thank you for any questions you sent in. And uh, next week, I think we'll be back with a a guest. And um, 
You got anything else, Ryan? I'm trying to look at my sheet here. I don't think so, man. I think we're good. We're way over. All right, y'all. We appreciate you. We couldn't do this without you. Um, Yeah, you're you're our uh, true fans, and we love you for it. All right, y'all. Love people. Use things. The Minimalists.